Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Welcome to another episode of Disrupting Dentistry podcast. My name is Melissa, your American dental hygienist host. My name's Tabitha, your host from Australia, and we have a very exciting guest with us today, another Australian, so I'm super excited, and we've got the wonderful Paulette Smith with us. Hi, Hi thanks Paulette. so much for having me tonight. Fantastic. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you. So Paulette is a dental hygienist from Australia, and she has an independent practice, uh, Hygiene and Whitening Studio. She's also an educator, and she runs businesses teaching other hygienists and OHTs how to be entrepreneurs and start their own businesses and be independent. And it's something that I'm super proud of her that she has been able to do something and be successful, but wanted, has wanted to bring everyone up with her. So I think that's an amazing, amazing trait. But let's take it back to the beginning. And you've just graduated high school. What made you go into dental and how did it all happen? <laughs> Good question. Actually, Interesting because it's quite aligned with, I can't remember who it was you were speaking to a couple of weeks ago, but um, I thought that's very similar to my story. I started, I finished year 12 and went straight to university because back in the day that's what you did. And I started as an occupational therapist and I finished my first year and decided I didn't like to be called a basket weaver and I was going to leave. And mum and dad said, no, you can't leave, you have to get a job. So we got the Age newspaper, which was where you found all the jobs in those days, and I went, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, dental nurse trainee. I went, I'm going to get that job. So I rang up and said I'm really keen to start, and that was kind of the beginning of how it all started. So I stopped basket weaving and became the teeth cleaning lady because that's what they called us back then as well. So I don't know, you know, back then was it a good idea to go from basket weaving to teeth cleaning, but it's evolved so that you know where we are today is a completely different story and then after you graduated you where were you working and then what led you to how you kind of got here in your career well I I worked as a dental assistant and I joined um, the school dental service and the dentist that was in Australia school dental um, is where we have a van and you go around to isolated communities and you work on in primary school and primary school aged children. So I was fortunate that I was um, placed with a dentist who was from another state of Australia, um, South Australia or from Adelaide. And at the time, Adelaide was the only place in Australia that were training dental hygienists. And he said to me, you obviously really love your job and you seem to be, you know, enjoying um, the education side of it. You know, you should consider becoming a dental hygienist. And so, you know, it was like, well, what's that? You know, I have to move to South Australia, all the things. Anyway, so I applied to do the course in South Australia um, and went across and did my training and back then, um, they were only taking, they were mostly taking people from the um, state of South Australia, but they were allowing one person from another state. So there was myself from Victoria and another person from New South Wales and um, the rest were from, from South Australia. So I did my course, which was a two-year course, and then came back to Melbourne and we weren't legally allowed to work in Victoria so it was what do I do now you know I can't put my skills I can't um, work as a dental hygienist because we're not legally recognized in this state and so being you know me I went right well we've just got to make this happen so I approached our local politician um, I found another couple of there was a Canadian hygienist and um, an English hygienist in Victoria we kind of I don't even know how we connected I can't remember um, then we got together and I wrote the legislation for parliament and um, it was presented and approved and so we were legally allowed to work um, and that's kind of how it all started and then we got the association together and you know, that was, well, I graduated in 1987, so it was 35 or something years ago. And then I guess 
I don't know if I'm jumping the gun by kind of coming to where I am at this end of my career, but I hit 50 and said, this is ridiculous. You know, we've we've wanted the right of independent practice for years and years and years. It's about time, you know, I've got nothing to lose at this end of my career. At the beginning, I was able to kind of implement the process to get the legislation started. And at this end of my career, they can bring it on because I'm going to make sure that we can get the right of independent practice and I'm just going to do it. So I went and set myself up with a practice and I was creative around the guidelines of having a structured professional relationship. Um, I had a few mates that you know, we're on redial on my phone. I went, if I need someone, can I call you? And if my clients need to um, see you as a, for, you know, um, restorative work or um, dental services that I can't provide here, are you prepared to accept them? And, of course, they said yes. So that was my structured professional relationship. And, you know, but then, you know, it was it was a risk because I started the practice in my house and we live in a village miles from nowhere, so there's no passing traffic. You know, it was like, okay, you know, once I have started the process, then how's it going to grow and how am I going to build it? And that's kind of led me into the next part of my career, which is helping other people kind of do the same thing now. So I think that all Victorian hygienists and OHT should bow to you when they see you and say thank you for making it legal in my state. That's number one. <laughs> so when Thanks, bow. <laughs> you know, you are a legend. What's really for our profession? That's a massive thing that you've done for our profession. Well, the- you know, and, and and not just for our profession, but for the community to access better healthcare. Well, it was just. I mean, it was, I did all this research and it's like, we're in the UK, we're in South Australia, we're around the world, we're in the States, we're we're everywhere except for stupid old Victoria, Australia. Like, what is going on with that? And what's funny, because I didn't realise um, Julie Sater, who's um, involved at our Melbourne Dental School here, and she's um, really active in the profession um, she, who started out as a dental therapist, she said to me one day, you know, you've been documented in the parliamentary document called Hansard, which has um, put a copy of your of your um, presentation or application that you did for this process to, you know, get the ball rolling. So to this day I've never seen it because I've Googled it and searched it and haven't been able to find it, but one day I'll sit down and make a really concerted effort, put it in a frame and have it on my wall. So. I think you should. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really interested to know in that time when you were fighting to make it legal in Victoria, what was the general consensus of the dentists at that time around you? Well, um, the people I were work- I was working with were really positive. So the dentist I'd worked with in school dental had bought a practice in Melbourne and he'd asked me to come and work with him. Um, so he was 100% on board. Um, and other dental professionals that I'd worked, so where I did my uh, apprenticeship or traineeship as a dental assistant, they were super positive. So I only had really positive Nobody was negative um, at all. And I made, at the time, I also got my foot in the door with the Australian Dental Association because I volunteered for their dental nurses training committee. So I put myself on committees, networking with people, talking about the profession. These are the things we can do. And and people were um, really kind of open to the idea. So I think it was just because you know, I was engaging in other areas as well and they just went, oh, this, you know, this could be a thing. And, um, and look, ultimately they did call us cleaning ladies and, and, um, we were in the back room literally cleaning teeth, but at least it was a start and, you know, they were starting to recognise our profession, which was really good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a huge, huge thing. Because it took us a long time. Like America's so much more ahead of us in how long you had hygiene. It, it really took. So what year was that that it became legal in Victoria? Gosh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I have a feeling it might have been 1989 because I graduated in 88, 89, around 90, 91. 
It's pretty late, really, when you think about it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Considering how long, because what was the year? We did an episode on this, and I can't remember. The year that hygiene started in America was early. Can you well, remember the 1800s? I remember reading. Yeah, early. Yeah. 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 I'm and looking we, it up right now. It's just like 1913. 1913. Yeah. And 1913. we're like nearly 1990. That's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? As I'm sitting here listening to you guys, I am embarrassed. Because 1913 and still no national license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've definitely moved in leaps and bounds. We came in late, but, but we, we hit the ground. We hit the ground <laughs> running. Exactly. Yeah. You guys yeah. are absolutely, like, you have just done so much in a short period of time. And Paula, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, we need to put, like, these dental hygiene minds together over here in the U.S. And we have to do this stuff. Like, it's got to, we got to push this because... I mean, I'm not th- trying to throw shade, but we have a professional association that's been in place who has like out of our, we're, we're in between like 150 to 200,000 dental hygienists, depending on what statistic you read here in the US. Yeah. And our professional association, I think has under 10% of that population in as members. And what if, what have they done? They've been in place for how long? And we don't have a national license. And yeah. We still are struggling and, and we have so many limitations. Like I could, I live on the border of New York and New Jersey. There's things I could do in New York with my New York license that I cannot do in New Jersey. It's like the silliest thing ever. I don't you understand. I can't understand really with such a big group. I mean, how many do we have, Tabitha? Maybe four and a half thousand. thousand? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> probably got that in your state, Melissa. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I have 6,000 hygienists in my state. But it's probably <laughs> one of the reasons why we've had a little bit more success as well because it's actually easier to, to kind of to connect yeah. and get together yeah. in a smaller group and also yeah. we're easier point. to regulate than yeah. the thousands and thousands and thousands. So it is easier to have one body regulating all of us because we are less than your state. Like so yeah. I, I think. Because we're smaller numbers and we really pushed in the beginning, we've probably had more, you know, this is my assumption, is why we've had a little bit more success. But, look, it hasn't come without a fight. Independent practice did not go down well. No. <laughs> and really and there, still, it still hasn't. So battle yeah. lines drawn, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's some, there were some relationships ruined and, you know, it's still a sticky point between a lot of people. So it's... Yeah. It didn't. It hasn't gone off as smoothly as maybe it sounds in some bits. There was definitely battle lines. Yeah, and yeah. we only won half the battle, Melissa. So we got the we got the right of independent practice, but they withheld us the opportunity to have a provider number, which means that we can oh. we can work with community services and use the government dental benefits to provide services to children in age in aged care facilities. So now we can be independent. But they've withheld that provider. So everyone who comes to me pays privately, whereas a lot of the independent professionals who would like to go mobile and go into aged care, they can't because they can't claim the government funding for services they're providing. So they've really, you know, um, hitched us back. They've kind of given this much and taken that much back. So it was that's still another big kind of battle that's... A massage therapist can get a provider number but not us. Yeah, that's, that stuff makes me crazy. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's our latest battle. But it's um, yeah, you know, it's a battle for all of us around the world getting this independence. And as we said in Tracy's episode, like hashtag free the the dental hygienist. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that it, I think globally our listeners can probably relate to in lots of countries. This struggle for us to be independent health providers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, you know, and when when I started, um, it was in 2014 actually that I went, right, that's it. I'd worked in um, a specialist perio practice. I'd worked in community services. I'd worked with the Aboriginal Health Service. I'd worked in private practice. Um, loved the roles that I had along the way, really enjoyed the profession, but, you know, had some personal things happen that really put me in a position where I went, I actually need to be able to generate an income for my family and not leave the house. That was literally what happened. My youngest daughter became really unwell um, with mental health issues and couldn't go to school. And so I just went, right, 
you know, I've had this in, in the, on the back burner for a while now. This is my time. This is a sign. Just need to make it happen. And so I went, well, just bring it on. I'm going to do it. I've got nothing to lose now. So, and interestingly, I was at a um, a dental meeting and there was a few, we call, I don't know if you call, if you know the expression big wigs, Melissa, but it's, you know, like a few important people, dental people yep. that were there. And um, they said to me, and I'd met them along the way because I'd worked at the universities and um, hey, Paulette, how's it going? What are you up to? I'm like, oh, I just opened my own practice. And they're like, what the? How did you do that? And I said, well, it's a new model of care, direct access services. You know, people can come straight to me. He's like, gets the pen and paper. This is at the time was the dean of the university here in Melbourne. That's a really good service model. Tell me more about that. And I'm like, gosh, I don't really want to tell you because I could get myself into trouble because I'm kind of like <laughs> pushing the boundaries around what I'm doing. But, um, you know, then I just thought I've got nothing to lose. Bring it on. What's going to, what's the worst that'll happen, you know? So, yeah, just kind of grew from there. But I did get a lot of um, pushback from my colleagues as well and which was interesting, you know, it was like a, who do you think you are and why on earth do you think you can do that? Like who said you can do that? What rules are you following? Who who told you you could do it? You know, how did you get set up? What's And it was like, oh, you know, I don't know. How's that going to work for you? How could you? How could that possibly be a thing? You've set up a dental practice in your home in the middle of nowhere and you know, so I did that. You know, I call them naysayers, the one who's the ones who were like, "Ooh, who do you think you are?" Well, interesting. You know, over the years now, that's evolved to kind of where I'm at now, where people are calling me, going, "We want to do what you're doing. How did you do it?" So it's been a really nice kind of roundabout swings and roundabouts along the way um, to get to that. But you know, that's my passion now is to really help people work through the process of creating their own. Um, opportunities whatever it might be it doesn't have to be setting up a practice you know an actual yeah brick and mortar kind of practice there's so many other ways that they can explore independence now so um, so what I'm really interested to know what the local dentists were like when you were starting out independently because I think you were one of the first independent like dental hygiene practices in Australia correct yes yeah. 2014, uh, yeah, so it was like six years before we were legally allowed to. Yeah. So, so, you know, yeah. so I, I, you know, you're the first person doing this. You're the first person deciding to own a practice, not have a dentist involved, be hygiene only, direct access. What did? How did you find the dentist reaction to it was? Well, I introduced my. I knew the guy down the road, and I just the interesting part about it was that. Um, I just approached them and said, I'm setting up a practice. Would you like me to refer your clients if they don't already have their own dentist? And they're like, yes, please, that would be great. And the second part of that was in the event that I need someone to be my structured professional relationship, would you be interested? The two, there's two guys within 30 kilometres, they both said, yep, that's fine. Um, one of the other guys, who's actually a UK dentist, he, I th would have thought he would be the first one to say, yes, hygienist, I understand, you know, the profession of um, hygiene, I'm going to be supportive of that. And he was like, oh, no, you can't do that, you know, no. Um, so he said no, but... I think you had no one to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so the other guys were really great and they're like, well, tell us when you wrote me because we want champagne, you know. It was kind of like a really easy... Aww. And so I have a good working relationship with them now and, you know, they... Um, you know, I can pick up the phone and have a chat about whatever or refer them clients and I've, I've made some really good connections. Good, yeah. So, and on the whole peninsula, like from the top to the bottom of this space that we live, it's about 70 kilometres. So a lot of, you know, from that end to that end of the peninsula and in between, I've got a lot of contacts with um, other practices now so I can refer people for different things and um, only one of them decided he wasn't going to, refer the client back to me so he booked he was like you know I'm stealing your client now I mean he's gonna that person's going into my hygiene program and it was my stepdad so I'm like I don't think so <laughs> so I did have to make the call and say excuse me but where's the professional relationship here you know 
if you referred me to an orthodontist, the orthodontist isn't going to steal your clients and start doing restorative dentistry and, you know, all the yeah. things. So it's the same respect and relationship that I expect from you if I'm going to send customers to you. So um, good on you because some people yeah. are intimidated to say that, but I 100% ethically correct what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I think that takes a lot of confidence to kind of stand up. Absolutely. Well, so I think like good on you for that. Yeah. How did you, so becoming direct access to 14, no one else is doing it. You've built it at the back of your house. How did you get patients to know that if they came to your house, you know, <laughs> times they could get their teeth cleaned? <laughs> well, I put a sign out the front. I thought, yay, people walking past will see the sign. Well, that didn't really do anything. And then I went, okay, I have to learn social media because I didn't have a Facebook or an Instagram account. So I started gradually building on that. And then it was just, you know, obviously the first people that were coming through were friends and family and then they were telling their friends and then our local community got to know and then I've I donated some things to um, charity auctions and um you know, went to a few different networking events and that sort of thing. And it just kind of gradually grew from there. But I have to say, I didn't have big expectations on myself because I had, you know, the stuff going home at home with my daughter. And I went, right, I borrowed $45,000. And um, with that, I bought a secondhand chair. I um, built, I designed all the cabinetry. I sourced all my products, like, for example, the autoclave. You know, a normal dental autoclave is in the eight to fifteen thousand dollars, and I went, "That is just a ripoff." Um, so I sourced my autoclave from an, a medical supply company, and the autoclave was a third of the price for the same classification of autoclave that was registered. So yeah. I'm like, you know, so I saved money on the autoclave. I bought a, a two-year-old chair that came out of a um, a health service that was being updated, so it had been well maintained. I got all the things I needed. And I worked out that the repayments, and I'll, I'll never forget because it was like a really, I went, the repayments are $645 a month. So I need to see this many customers per week to cover the cost of my repayments. And I would, if I was working in private practice three days a week, I would earn X amount of money. So I need to earn this much money per week, which is equivalent of this many clients. And once I've done that, I'm happy. So it worked out I needed to see about six clients a week. You know, I've been seeing six clients on a Saturday morning. So for me, I'm like, woohoo, you know, I've got the whole week off. I'll just do a day. This is so good. And that's really just no pressure. I was able to maybe, you know, I'd set up on a Tuesday and a Friday. If I saw two on a um, Tuesday and four on a Friday, I was happy with that because it gave me time to be at home with my family, look after my youngest daughter work on learning social media because that was a huge learning curve and gradually grow from there. So now I have 600 um, registered regular clients that all my on I've got an online booking system that just kind of happens ka-ching in the background. I don't have to do anything. I, rock, I, I get out of my pyjamas on a Tuesday morning and get dressed and walk, you know, three feet into the studio and people just come and go all day. And, wow. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and how have you found, because we talked about before, we can't be registered um, for a health fund. Yeah. So how have you found that's gone down with people not having that health fund there? Have you found it's been a barrier or it's worked pretty well? The big point, the big, um, when I was pricing my services, that was a big consideration. So I looked at what's the average cost of services in my area and out of that, what would be the average rebate they would get from their health um, fund? And then I priced my services um, that will be their out-of-pocket costs effectively. So if if they were a preferred provider, they usually sometimes they get like one free scale and clean every year. So I wasn't prepared to do that. But so I charge $140 for um, a hygiene appointment. Um, I book them in for an hour and a quarter. And um, they are happy to pay that because I also give them a 15-minute bonus whitening top-up if they want it and all the things they need. There's no upsell, would you like fries with that? You know, you get your brush or you get your interdental cleaning device, whatever that might be. You, if you need um, whatever, it's, yeah. you know, here. This is, here's a tongue cleaner. Here's your whatever you need. 
um, all-inclusive. So that made me personally feel more comfortable because I wasn't comfortable with asking for, you know, people I'd do provide the service and then it was like, okay, then we'll see you in six months, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, do I need to pay? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, it was really hard for me to have that kind of money conversation, like learning yeah. that money side of it has been a huge a huge thing as well. But um, so, yeah, that there's no, not, sometimes people will say, can I claim on my health insurance? I go, no, we don't have a provider number. They go, cool, no worries, I don't get this service from my, you know, when I've had a, a hygiene appointment before, yeah. it's never been like this. So I'm happy to keep back, keep coming back to see you. Paula, yeah. if I had like even a dollar for every time a patient has said that, like that's the thing, like that's what separates, you know, same license, but different way of doing things. Absolutely. And yeah. it, that alone, like that's where hygienists don't realize that they have their power. Exactly. Is in what? it's just as important as what you're doing is what you're not doing. So it's like, if you just level that up and like find mentors or like yourself or Tabitha and, you know, just like kind of cling to them or, or learn from them and go to courses, like that's where you just like implement one thing at a time. And just hearing you speak has been amazing because you took something that would overwhelm the heck out of so many people <laughs> yeah. and you just reverse engineered it. And you're like, okay, here's what I want how do I go from A to B? Yeah. And you know, like, I just think it's so amazing how you're sharing, oops, excuse me, sharing your story and, and how it all went down. Like, it's just, I am in awe of you. It's amazing. Oh, thanks. And so, uh, you took out the loan. How long did it take you to kind of then be even? Five years. It's pretty oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So really then good. as soon as I paid it off, I said to my husband, that's it, I'm buying a new car now. You know, I can pay this off and I can cover <laughs> the cost of a new car. Like I'm not even going to notice the difference. And my book yeah. even went, you just calm down. But it was, there was no financial pressure at no point. Did I feel overwhelmed? Um did I feel like I had, if I wanted to cancel a day because I needed a, a mental health day, I could, you know, for whatever reason, the, I, the kids had something on at school or we wanted to go away at short notice. Um, not that you can do that now, but, you know, I was just no pressure. It was like, just cancel my day. I'll rebook you when I'm ready to see you. Um, and this is one of the big things that I'm finding now with people that are contacting me. Like you said, Melissa, there's there is this big gap from A to you know A to Z. How do I get there? It's overwhelming. How do I start? And people start talking to their colleagues, and of course, their work colleagues or their employers going to say, "What are you even talking about? That's not a, that's not possible." And then they're watching presentations online that are talking about how to set up your own dental practice, and you know you need a million dollars to get started because you need all these bazillion things to happen. And people just go, oh, I can't do that. That's and it makes if one of the presentations I was watching, I just wanted my my. I'm sure I had steam coming out of my ears because I thought this is not what people want to hear. You know, yes, there's that there's that option of spending the bazillion dollars to get set up and have a fully functioning, amazing, beautiful environment. But you can start by buying um, a portable. Um, system and going and providing preventive services in an aged care facility and helping to teach staff how to clean the client's dentures in the resident's dentures and you know earn $55 an hour by providing really essential services that aren't being done currently and you can do that just from you know and all of a sudden you've got your own business you just started as an independent professional so it doesn't have to it can there's so many different ways it can be without having that initial outrageous investment and i do have a so i i get people contacting me probably on a daily basis hi we follow you on social media we really would like to know more about how to get started um and then they come up with okay i'm going to i've got I'm going to get a loan. I'm going to, I've got premises. I'm going to rent this shop. I'm going to set it all up with a thing. Can you just check my floor plan? What do you think about all these ideas? It's all great. And I'm like, okay, that it looks amazing. Great. When 
you get all this set up and you, you know, it's opening day and you open your doors and you hear crickets, where's where are the people coming from? How are you finding those people and how are you going to start paying back that debt? I like because they're not just going to come. That doesn't happen. So, you know, kind of the story of start right now by creating um, repositioning yourself as an independent professional, getting people to know, like, and trust you, set yourself up online, start a Facebook page, do some Instagram, talk about oral health online, get people to follow you and start working on the project and the ideas in the background so when you're ready to launch, you've got people. And one person in particular went, no, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. It's going to be awesome. And then, you know, six months later I get the call, gosh, I've spent all this money, no one's coming and I don't have a provider number and my business plan's gone out the window. I'm like, okay, well, you'll have to kind of rethink how you're going to find people because you can't rely on claiming through a provider number because you you don't have one and you can't use someone else's. So, yeah, it's a really big learning curve for people. So you kind of get extremes of ideas and hopefully I'm able to kind of gently move them through, through thinking out the whole process from start to finish so that they can really find something that fits for them, their finances, their family, all the things. So... Um, and a demographic, like absolutely, you've got to think that as well, like where you are, and think about the clients that are coming, and exactly. it's got to match that what you can actually have coming in, yeah, as well, yeah. And then I know your business um, does a lot of whitening as well. So have you found that you know that's attracted a lot of people coming for whitening, and then they'll get a clean and things when they're there as well. Yeah, I think the thing about um, the whitening services is that what I'm offering is people see me, uh, they don't see me as a dental practice as such. So I think they find me online and they look at me as a beauty salon or, um, you know, I don't know if they see me as a kind of a more approachable service. So then they see I do teeth whitening and then they rock up for their appointment and they walk into the studio and they go, wow, you've actually got like a real dental chair here and it's like, well, did you think I'd have a camping chair in my lounge room? You know, I know some people do, but, you know, I've got a real dental studio because I clean teeth and, you know, do all yeah. the things. Um, so I kind of, the thing about whitening generally in the in the industry, in my, in my opinion, is that we're not offering services, we're not offering the services the clients want. So a dental practice, you know, we put this big, right, you can have, X procedure at X amount, which is usually in the high hundreds, you know, seven to nine hundred dollars, or you can have this procedure at this amount, which is five hundred dollars, and you can't have whitening until we've restored every single tooth in your head and your gingiva's in tip top condition, and you need to come back ten times, and so that first stage of the treatment is going to be about seven to nine thousand dollars, and then we'll do your whitening. People go, wait. I've got a wedding in three weeks. I just want to get, like, these teeth here sorted. Can't I just do that? And generally, and I know I used to do it in private practice as well, I'd go, oh, no, I've got to get, you know, we've got this procedure. We do the, we do the exam and the diagnosis. We'll do the restorative work. We'll manage any active, you know, disease. We'll do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. And you lose them out the door and that's why the beauty salons are multi-million dollar industries providing whitening services because they're providing services that as professionals we're not. So then I kind of changed it around and went, well, I'm happy to whiten your teeth if the teeth in this aesthetic zone are okay and your gums are not bleeding all over the place and you might have root fragments down the back and you might have, you know, pus draining around this tooth here. Um, We're talking about that, we're acknowledging that, we're referring them for those other things. But in the meantime, I'm happy to whiten if it's safe and it's, you know, clinically um, acceptable to do that because that is what they wanted. So who am I to say, well, you can't get your teeth white until you've had your root fragments removed and all the things. And, you know, that's that's people come to me because I went to the dentist to talk about whitening and it was I had to get all this stuff done and I couldn't afford it. I just want my teeth whitened. Can you help me? So we'll find you know a what? way. 
And I know, you know, what's funny is that like, that's like the, the snickering, um, judgment joke that we have in dentistry, right? Like we'll, we'll have a patient who like has a whole bunch of restorative needs or, you know, what have you. And then we go in the lunchroom and we're like, do you believe Mr. Jones? Like he's got an abscess tooth, but yeah. all he wanted was his teeth white. <laughs> Where's his priorities. Right. Yeah. But we're not listening to our patients. We're not. We're not we're not delivering care. And I love your approach on that. Like as long as it is, um, you know, acceptable and it's, it's, you're healthy enough to have that. Yeah. Who am I to say you can't have it? And the so other thing like that, that I've found with that is that then builds their confidence towards working towards a plan to get the other things done. And then it's building a relationship with, you know, the dental practitioner down the road that can provide those services in conjunction, you know, with what I'm doing for them as well. So it does lead to that next step, but they just want someone to listen. You know, I've got a wedding in three weeks. My daughter, my son, someone, the next door neighbours, I've got my high school reunion, I've got my daughter's Deb, whatever it might be. That's just, they just want some support. They've had Botox, they've had their hair done, they've had their eyebrows tattooed, they've got their spray tan, they want whiter teeth. Their spray tan, I know. (laughs) (laughs) This way we don't have to filter it out later with our little phone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's such a good approach. And I was thinking that too, as you were saying that, like, because you said with your social media, you have to build that, like, have your audience know, like, and trust you. And then it's the same concept in the chair. Like when we meet a new patient, they don't know us, we don't know them. And we have to build that rapport and let them understand that. So I I just love the way you've, again, flipped the funnel on that and approached it differently. I think that's really super smart. And look, it, it is a reason why a lot of people come to me because they know that I'll find a way. And sometimes the other thing about um, your question, Tabitha, about the whitening is I don't have a one-stop shop whitening. I've got a, like this massive tool bag of, of options that fit, um, that mean that it's suitable for a, a different um, age range um, and a different price range and a different um, compliance kind of, you know, attitude. So, for example, they might opt for an in-chair whitening, but, you know, I know that that's not going to be successful unless they're prepared to put in a little bit of effort at home. So that's the discussion about the in-chair, but you still got to do a little bit at home for the next few days or, you know, that's my most expensive price point. And then the middle of the range is I'll do a um, like a 15 or 30-minute cosmetic whitening as a standalone, which is a stronger carbamide peroxide gel. And that's like a $99 service. So I'm, you know, offering them a service that they could get at the beauty salon, but at the beauty salon they're only legally allowed to use a 6% hydrogen peroxide and I'm using like a 44%, for example. Or then they can have a little take-home kit that might just be the, I used to poo-poo the bite and boil trays, you know, like the little moldable mouth guard trays. They're actually really good. Like, you know, you paint the gel on your teeth, you stick the tray over it. it, they're not super comfy, but for 30 or 60 minutes to wear them, you can vacuum the house or drive the car or, you know, whatever, you watch a movie and they're just doing the job and they're so cost effective. So all of a sudden, you know, people can get whiter teeth and I'm, I'm, I'm offering them, I feel like we're losing all these people to the, on the, on the, um, my brain's thinking harder than I can speak because so I could like, so <laughs> no, things to say about this. I'm so passionate about it. But um, <laughs> on our social media pages, and, and it was even again the other day, and Tabitha mentioned it earlier, there was a 6% um, teeth whitening kit, hydrogen peroxide teeth whitening kit on sale at Aldi, which is like our, you know, Costco, low-cost kind of shopping supermarket. Um, 20 bucks. Well, the beauty salons are putting 6% hydrogen peroxide on the teeth and charging $350, you know, for a cycle of 15 or 60 minute teeth whitening. So people and the beauty salons are killing it. The the number of um, people that are um, promoting teeth franchises like beauty salon franchises for teeth whitening they're charging these potential um franchisees upwards of thirty five thousand dollars to learn how to do it and then 
um, people are paying up to $300 for a 6% hydrogen peroxide teeth whitening, why are they doing that? Well, they're doing it because we're missing out on that part of, you know, those opportunities are just like floating out the door like money out the window because we're not servicing, we're not listening to those clients' pain points. We're not acknowledging that this is what they're looking for and we're not offering them a variety of services that suit their budget, their time, their commitment, you know, their dentition, all the things. We're just losing them out the door because we're like, oh, well, we only do this in this practice because, you know, it's got the sexy marketing and it looks amazing or we do this in this practice because we don't get good results from. So there's not a, no one's really kind of thinking about how they can offer really effective teeth whitening services in their practice to build that part of the business. We were talking, Melissa, before you came on as well, and um, Paulette actually has her own range of take-home and the packaging looks amazing because <laughs> I got a sneak peek. Where did you come up with the idea to do to do that? In my journey of being a hygienist, which we kind of left out this whole middle section, I was a product manager for Densply for a number of years um, and Densply sent me overseas to um, Philadelphia and, you know, learnt lots about Cavitron, sorry, it's not an EMS, the dense pie Cavitron. But anyway, in in being a product manager, I learned so much about sales and marketing and product management and development and blah blah blah. So I had a really, it really piqued my interest. It was something that was, um, you know, quite interested to pursue. And so um, then when I came back. After the training, I was still at Densply and then um, I'd started my business and I was interested. So I did a formulations course, so a diploma of cosmetic formulating and looked at, you know, different products, how they work, how the chemicals work, how to, you know, look at what the ingredients are in the products and, you know, looked at what products we had available and I'm like, oh, my God, that's like propylene glycol. That's like in petrol and we're putting it in our mouth, you know. So I was kind of all these nasty things that we're working with, I'm like, can't we just reformulate that so we've got really more um, more gentle ingredients that have the same effect that do the things you want them to do? So then the marketing manager at Densply kind of headhunted me, I suppose, for want of a better word, to go and work um, as the business development manager at Professional Dentist Supplies, which is where I am now, which is an Australian-owned and um, Australian, all our products are manufactured in Australia. So I was really actively involved in creating whitening gel formulations, um, developing new formulas, looking at new products, marketing, sales, labelling, blah, blah, blah. And so then when I was looking at my own products, I went, well, I want a product that does this. So these are the sorts of ingredients. So we're developing a toothpaste at the moment, for example, that's um, got a colour base to it. So it's light refractive and it's got um, hydroxyapatite in it and it's very flavoured because everyone hates mint and, you know, all the things I'm watching and learning and reading and listening and looking at what's happening internationally and trying to kind of keep up with that so that we're being innovative and and um, offering the latest and greatest that we possibly can. So, you know, hence the... the um, my looking, I was looking at pharmaceutical labels internationally, and I came across this Russian guy who was a graphic designer, and he did all the artwork for my um, branding and packaging. Now, so these are just right. prototypes. So there's three different kind of images that I really liked, and you know they're vegan, palm free, gluten free, all the free things. You know, I can't claim organic because I'm not going to pay for it to be. Um, you know, assessed as being organic, but yeah, yeah. so that's kind Rich. of how it started, and that's how I'll all the invent my own one. I'll just go learn chemicals, and then I'll do this. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt dumber in my life. I'm there going seriously. <laughs> says it so casually. So I did this course, and I learned how chemicals work, and then I did this, and then I invented this. I'm like, what the? I know. Well, do you know what's really funny? But I do have a history because I remember our first house we bought, we were renovating the kitchen and I got all these guys in and I'm like, you guys have got no inspiration. You know, we want to design the kitchen. I just don't want to replace what's already there. And they're like, oh, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm so dissatisfied with all of this. So I went back to uni and did a um, diploma and 
of um, kitchen design so that I could draw and draft my own kitchen. So I did do that for quite a few years along the way. After having babies and stuff, I was, you know, doing some work from home. So that's kind of how I felt comfortable about designing the space for the studio as well because, you know, it was kind of second nature to pick up a pen and draw the layout and, you know, all the elevations and stuff. So I am a bit of a if I don't find exactly what I want or if someone tells me no, I will find a yes or find a way. Can you cook? Yes, love cooking. Oh, so you can do everything then, okay. <laughs> Seriously. You're like my idol. Say, no, I can't cook. Like, love cooking. I'm just not very good at horse riding because I've been thrown off a few times, <laughs> broken both wrists at the same time, so I've given oh, that one no. up. Yeah. Oh, that was like a don't do it because it's that's um, not happening. I drive around the block if I have to parallel park, okay? <laughs> There's obviously no parks here. (laughs) No, it's very, very, very impressive. So, yeah, like when you're just talking about, yeah, so I just learned this, I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Took this course on how to be a chemical engineer. (laughs) My own lightning toothpaste. I love it. Tell us a little bit more about the toothpaste. When you say, like, um, when you're explaining, so remember you're explaining this to me, so, like, dumb it down a little. <laughs> Just a little for me, okay? Uh, when you think about how the, the colour, um, yeah, so can you kind yeah, of... the refractory that you were mentioning. I'm quite interested to understand that better. <laughs> um, so with the toothpaste, when I was doing, because I run a course for on teeth whitening, basically. Um, so a lot of, I love reading the clinical articles and doing as much research as I possibly can. And I did come across an article using um, a blue dye in a toothpaste that um, it was um, shown in the clinical studies that the blue cuts out the yellow because blue and yellow are opposite colours on the colour wheel. So the same technology, if you've got blonde or grey hair and it starts to turn yellow, you use purple shampoo and it cuts out the yellow tones, same thing for your teeth. So the blue-purple toothpaste cuts out the yellow tones um, in the tooth in the teeth, and helps to um, leave a micro layer of blue dye across the surface of the enamel, which when the light hits it gives you the illusion of optically improved whiteness of the teeth. So it's a cosmetic. Sorry? It's a toner for your teeth. It's a toner. It's a t- it's a toner yeah. for your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not. It's not innovative. I mean, there are a couple of companies that have done it so far, but you know, I just wanted one that was then because people are talking about they don't like the mint. Um, people don't want fluoride. I'm right. Let's just do a purpley blue toothpaste. It's berry flavored. That's got hydroxyapatite, xylitol, all the other ingredients that you you know that um, people talk about. And will eliminate the ones that people at the moment, you know, um, don't want. And so the really funny thing is that the first batch, we put some carbamide peroxide in it because we thought, oh, we'll just put some whitening gel in it. Let's see how that goes, you know, make a whitening. And um, it was in the tube and the first few times I, I'd flip the lid on the toothpaste, it was like this volcanic eruption because the carbamide toothpaste was like creating this gas inside the tube and it was like exploding out of the thing. I'm like, exploding toothpaste. And I think that's a very good idea. That's not going to go well. So um, we're at version two now, which is much better. It's, um, <laughs> we're getting there. But that's the concept behind it is that the blue or purple base to it tones out the yellow so when 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 am I going to be able to butter (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping I was hoping to have it at um um in October for the DHAA so we'll see how that goes yeah will that be available in America as well I'll just send you some you can try it and see what you think (gasps) yeah yeah super exciting it's like very cool one of the things that I'm taking out of this episode is Dream it and you can do it. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, something that um, I hope that listeners are getting that from Melissa and I on each of our episodes when we're trying to bring on inspiring guests and have people listening to them is that for dental hygienists, the options are limitless. Yeah. It's something that we're really trying to highlight each week and we don't have to be in this box that people have wanted to put us in. Absolutely. 
outside that box. And outside of that box is going to look different for different people. Yeah. Um, because it just depends where their passion. And I think that's the other thing that I really get from your episode is you followed your passion and your desires. And I think when you're following something that you truly love and want to do, you're going to have a lot more success. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, yeah, I really think that's a huge part of it because when you're loving something, you think creatively like you do and you think big and you think all these things because you're not working as much. Like people say to me all the time, you work really hard. I go, oh, but I love what I do. So for me, it's not really work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm in front of the computer creating stuff online. Everyone goes, oh, my God, you're on the computer so much. I'm like, yeah, but I'm being creative. I could be painting you know, in the back room or I could be gardening, but I love doing stuff on the computer. So, you know, that's my creative outlet. I love it. And then things happen, you know, so um, that you can share with other people. Paula, I love that because I get hounded in my house about always being on the computer. You're always working. I'm going to start saying I'm creating. I'm creating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. this has really made your career last longer as well because you've been able to really guide it in the way you want and and keep that passion alive by doing it yourself oh look uh, absolutely I mean I, I just kind of you know I feel like now I'm at a point like I've got a business coach because I've got so much going on that I get a bit muddled and I do yeah. lose track and I needed to focus and you know so I've got a lot more structure around what I'm doing now you know I'm doing some things that are creative some things that make money some things that are building the business and I've kind of got a plan for all of those things and and I also felt too that you know I've I've got that course the business and branding boot camp and I thought if I'm asking people to pay me money to help them get started in their business to in you know to invest in themselves I need to be investing in myself so that I'm learning I'm growing I'm being able to kind of pass on that information and share and keep it going otherwise I'll just get lost in the you know well mm. you heard all the things I've got going on I'm like what you know today will I make toothpaste or will I create a planner for a business you know it's it's anyway so it's having a business coach has been really helpful and that it, it has um kept me moving forward and I think that now there's so many avenues as a hygienist that I could move into whether it's product formulation you know whether it's continuing my clinical practice which if I wanted to turn it into a full-time thing tomorrow you know it would just be like switch it on and it would happen open the books and it would fill Um, but I love the 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 combination of being able to leave the building and go to the other business and be in the warehouse and look about logistics and, you know, freight and um, all the other things that go on behind the scenes with cause with formulating and manufacturing. And so, yeah, I think, I don't know where it'll take me ultimately, but my really big love at the moment is helping other people just to take those first little steps. And I think, um, I keep talking about personal branding with people and I think that's a little bit confusing because I I don't know if it's difficult to kind of explain what that means but I saw this really good um, word I was reading something the other day and and it was for people, for example, currently working in practice that um, are thinking of what else is out there, how can I um, be utilised better how can I make some changes? What can I do to improve my career satisfaction? Repositioning yourself was the word that I like. So repositioning yourself in the practice. So, you know, you're stepping up a little bit. You might create your own social media so that you're an independent professional. And instead of you, the, the dentist being the front of house and the front of the practice, you know, you could be that person um, from a personal perspective, you know, like, hi, I'm Paulette, the hygienist, and I work at um, Summer's Smiles Dental Practice, and um, you can come and see me for all your preventive care services, and I can look after your implants, and I can whiten your teeth, and I can help your children, and I can do all the things. People don't know enough about what we can do, and we're not yeah. spreading the message quick enough, and I think all those people that are out there bored, disappointed disillusioned because now we've got an award and not getting paid enough money the bosses you know you're working long hours you've got kids at home shit's going down and it's life's really hard 
start to think about putting some baby steps towards creating a future for yourself by creating your own personal brand. And that just is really simple and it costs nothing and you will get better satisfaction, you know, out of it for your future career. I think you'd go to the moon if you wanted to, Paulette. But <laughs> What's that? I think you could go to the moon if you wanted to. <laughs> and, and just hearing you talk, Paulette, over this last hour has um, made me realize that, like, you know, Tabitha had mentioned earlier that free the hygienist movement. You know, we've talked about that in a previous episode. And it's so much more than, than, you know, not having a national license or not being able to practice independently. We have to free our minds. Yeah. Because we are our own worst enemies in what we think we can or can't do. Absolutely. So thank you for your perspective because you totally just opened my mind that this free the hygienist movement is so much bigger than what we had initially like joked about it, you yeah. know? Like Tabitha was brilliant. She's like, oh, free Britney? We should uh, hashtag free the dental <laughs> hygienist. And, and it's, it's so true. But it's just like, it just speaking to you was so inspiring. And I'm so grateful and thankful for this, this time to spend with you Thank and you. to share it with our disruptors. Yeah. And look, it is disrupting dentistry. We need to keep moving forward with disrupting the status quo because it's so not 1700s in, you know, the Middle Ages, medieval times. And as individuals, each one of us starting tomorrow can make some changes that's just going to create this whole momentum forward for our whole profession. You know, just we can do that easily. And I think another thing that I picked up from the episode too is, you know, when you're talking about it was family dynamics that really led to you pushing and doing this. And, you know, we do have to put ourselves first. Yeah. And what works for our lives, what works for us, and think about it on an individual basis, you know, how am I going to feel fulfilled and how am I going to have my work-life balance and how and then and then go from there. Yeah. Like what do you want? What kind of balance do you want? How do you want to achieve it? They're all really important things. Absolutely. You just yeah. got to make it happen because no one's going to do it for you. Nope, never. It's all, you got to take the wheel for sure. And I think, especially because we're a female-dominated industry, um, I think that sometimes women can feel like we can't be the entrepreneur and we can't be, you know what I mean? Like, because there's a lot of pressure on us as, as, you know, mothers and wives or other things going on or just not feeling that that can be the role. But we can be independent health professionals. We can be entrepreneurs. We can be business owners. We can be all of these things and it's important that you do what, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to, but no. if you want, you can be that. And you have to figure out what your want is and what your passion is and then go from there. Yeah. And if you're unhappy and it seems like currently so many people are for different reasons, what can you do starting tomorrow that's a little baby step forward that your future self will think thank you for? You know, start thinking about what that could be. (laughs) What was that? Can't be kicking your boss. Think of a positive thing. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Kicking in the back by the dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like think about, you know, yeah, exactly like you said, like how can you make the change because nobody's going to do it for you. Exactly. How are you going to be happy in your work life? And that will look so different for different people. But get there because life's too short. We spend so much time at work. Make it enjoyable. To be unfulfilled and dissatisfied and feeling bullied and miserable and underpaid, stop that shit. Like, you know, free the dental hygienist. Get it happening, girlfriend. That's what needs or boyfriend because, you know, we've got a lot of male dental hygienists now too and oral health therapists are the same. You know, they're the biggest ones that we're being underutilised. We're not providing services you know within our full scope of practice okay well how are you going to change that if you can't do it where you are now do some little things to build your own personality so that you can move forward in your career yeah and think about too like okay hygiene school everybody says it was so tough it was like the two toughest years or four depending on the program you went to and there's so much we learn like our program we graduate with way more than more credits than you need to get an associate's degree but we're an associate's program so if you think about that you get out into private practice and we're in this system where we don't need to utilize all of those 
things that we learned, right? And then yeah. because you're not using them on a regular basis, you just stop, you, you forget about them. It, it's yeah. just not top of mind. But we should strive to practice at the top of our license and utilize all of that knowledge that you had to be proficient in before graduation. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why we were taught all those things. Yeah. And it's it's imperative. And and, and the system overall is broken. And not that I'm happy about it, but it's kind of nice to hear that it's not just like a US thing. It's a global thing. Yeah. Because like I'm in the same spot. And I mean no disrespect to any other profession, but like a tattoo artist can have their own business and I cannot. A massage therapist, as you mentioned, can have a, a we call it an MPI number, national provider information. Right. They can have a number and I cannot. Yeah. And I, I have to take four boards. Yeah. And nurses well, only have to take two. Like, you know, like it just doesn't add up. No. It's not making sense. And it's it's like enough is enough. We need to stand up because we do provide such high level care for our patients. We see our patients more than any other medical professional does. And, and we, we know more about them and their medical yes. history and yes. all the things that we care and, about. Right. And we have these relationships. We've built that no like, and trust. How, how many hygienists can say that they have had happen? The doctor talks about treatment that they're recommending. The doctor leaves the room and they turn and look at you and say, do you think I need that? Exactly. That happens all the darn all time. The time. So, you know, there's just so many ways that we need to start freeing ourselves. And, and I, I think hope that we can inspire and Paulette, you've inspired me. So I really hope that our listeners are also inspired. I hope so. We have to go with if nothing changes, nothing changes. So yeah. if you don't make a change for yourself or write that letter to Parliament, like, do you know what I mean? Like you writing that letter changed yeah. all of our lives, but a letter standing up, talking, joining in, they're really important things and every voice is really significant. Absolutely. So don't think your voice doesn't count. Yeah. And when we say it and yell it together, yes, it's really, really powerful. Um, but maybe you're the person that yells out and makes someone else go, yeah, I'm going to do it too. Like, you know, like it really can make a difference. And I also think, like you said, having a business coach, getting a mentor is something we've talked about in lots of episodes. Reach out to people who have done it before and ask. I've found people usually are very happy to share. Very happy. As much as they can, yeah. You know, and there's courses like you're running you're for, for helping people with independent practice look around, Google, have a look, go into Facebook groups and ask questions. People will help you. Yeah. Like wherever they can. Yeah. You know, I think that every time we raise up another person in our profession, we raise the whole profession. whole profession. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just think every time I can help someone else, I'm actually helping my profession and helping all of us get up and, and fight for it. So I think yeah. most people think the same way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So Paulette, how can our listeners stay in touch with you? Um, tell us, let, let everybody know your social media handle so they can follow you. Like how can they get in touch and learn more from you? Well, I've got a Facebook page. Um, my studio is um, Pearly Whites Professional Teeth Whitening and Dental Hygiene on um, Facebook. Uh, so you can see me there. I've got an Instagram page for my studio, Pearly Whites Professional. It's at Pearly Whites Pro. I've got a website. Um, I don't know. Do you put links in your yeah, um, you notes? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the link will be below. But it's um, Tridente because I feel a little bit Italian. Or I felt a little bit Italian when I decided on the brand name. Try hyphen D E N T E www.tridente.com.au that's my business website where I sell products and equipment and the training you can find all the training courses there as well so um otherwise just shoot me a call me if I answer it's because I'm free and if I don't I'll call you back you know I'm happy to chat anytime and we'll put all the links in so especially I know a lot of people probably want to find about the course that you run so we'll put that link in so people can find that and I tagged you on Instagram as well the other day so you can go to our page and then link directly, look at your photo and link directly into your Instagram from that Thank as well. Thank you, Tabitha. Yeah. And, and we, congratulations we, to you guys. 8,000 downloads is awesome. I mean, that's yeah, just amazing. We hit another pretty amazing milestone this week as well, which we haven't announced on social media yet, but we made top 40 um, podcasts in the USA for healthcare. So we were top pretty like. 40? Like, <gasps> yeah. That's amazing. 
So yeah, we we haven't to post about it yet. But when Melissa texted me and told me, I was like, "Oh wow, God, that is awesome." I so couldn't believe it. We, we, we didn't stay there long, but we hit it. So. <laughs> That's all. That we were there for like a hot second. <laughs> because we haven't released the latest episode, we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, when they hear this time, I go, oh, no. Yeah, top 10, top 10. <laughs> like, Wait, what? 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we we're, pretty, we we're pretty stoked with that. You know, and this is obviously yeah. our passion project. We do it because we love it. It's not a we don't make any money out of this. We just do it for fun and we just want to share and we really just want to and I hope that's what people feel when they're listening is Melissa and I just wanted to share our love for our profession. Yeah. But also yeah. share the great people that we admire and we look up to with other people because we want other people just to know about people like you and know the options and and hopefully inspire them to do something great. I think it's amazing because we don't we don't connect enough with each other and then you know, you kind of feel a bit lost in your own bubble of where you're at and it's not until you yeah. reach out, you start listening, you start um, engaging with other people that you go, oh, you can actually do that? Really? My, you know, and all of a sudden your whole world just opens up and yeah. your career changes and it's amazing. So thank you for what you're doing. It's incredible. No, and we thank you. And like I said, if you see Paulette at a conference, you get down and you bow. <laughs> <laughs> you are a legend. <laughs> I'll have to make sure I carry one of those things the Queen has so I can kind of tap them on the shoulders. And <laughs> but Yeah, look, it is amazing and I, um, I really wanted people to hear how you were really instrumental in that part of making it legal in Victoria and making that people could have a career. Thanks, Tabitha. You know, Thanks, Alyssa. And for people in Victoria, for the community to have better health care because we know when there's a hygienist in a practice, they're getting better quality of care. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just the impact financially that that makes on your community as well. You know, people not being sick and and people being able to go to work and and contribute to society and all, yeah. like the impact is it's it's such a huge trickle down effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, thank you. It was so nice to meet you. You have inspired and fired me up this week for sure. So fantastic. Thank you. thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I feel really privileged. So really we're very excited. Oh, yeah, thank you. Disrupting everyone. I hope this episode inspires you to get out there and disrupt the status quo and really just get your own path and love it. Until next time, disruptors. We will see you soon. Thank Bye. you. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.